Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host, it's your girl Shanice coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 175 today and today's topic is the 1990 film The Goodfellas. It's a part of our Mafia Marathon that we're on now until August 14th. We will be covering um, most of the the greatest mob movies that were made, documentaries that were put out in mob talk. So we're going to do that until the Power Universe returns on August 14th. And I hope you guys checked out my Fear City documentary that I recapped last week. It was Fear City, New York versus the Mafia. That's on Netflix. So that was the the doc that we started first. And the first movie recap we're going to do is The Goodfellas because it's one of my all-time favorites. Um, and then we'll do Donnie Brasco next. And then after that, we're going to do Gotti, the movie from 1996. And we'll go from there. We'll do Casino and Bugsy. We're going to break them all down and get into some more documentaries as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed this Mafia Marathon that we are on until August. And check out each one of them. As always, if you need to get in touch with me, my Facebook is Alicia Shanice, Instagram, Alicia Shanice Reviews, and if you need to email me, Alicia Shanice Reviews 13 at gmail.com. You can inbox, DM, or email me if you have any special requests for anything you would like for me to recap. That could be a TV show, it could be a movie, it could be a music album, it could be a documentary. And hit me up, give me a couple days to get back to you, and I will get your recap request out within a week. And as always, you can follow my music playlists. They are all publicly on Spotify exclusively. Just type in Shanice Loves, and it will take you directly to them. So on that note, we're going to go ahead and jump into the show and talk some good fellas. Um, this movie came out in 1990. It was one of... Um, Uh, what's his name again? The one who make all the good ones, the good ones, the good ones, the good ones. Um, Mark, uh, Martin, uh, Square, Square Casey. My bad. Uh, uh, Michael, I'm sorry, Martin Square Casey. That's how you pronounce his name. Um, he made The Goodfellas right along with so many other ones. His movies are always authentic. The last one I think he made was The Irishman. The Irishman was really, really good too about Jimmy Hoffa. And who they say allegedly killed him has been uh, said that that's not true, but it was a really, really good movie. But um, Martin Sorcasey, he has made some of the most iconic mob movies. But I believe the last one he made was The Irishman, if I believe. But this one is really, really good. And we're about to get into it. We're about to break it down. We're about to dissect it like we do over here on this platform. So sit back and let's get into the show. Shanice and she's the one. Her name is Shanice and she's the one. All right, so the reason why I chose the Goodfellas as our first recap was for two reasons. The first reason, three. The first reason is because it's one of my favorite ones. One of my favorite ones. Um, it's one of the best movies ever done. 
I love A Bronx Tale. That's my all-time favorite movie of all time. I love A Bronx Tale. And we recap that. Um, the second reason was for um, the, one of the main characters played who played Henry. And that was um, portrayed by Ray Liotta. And he just passed away. He was a brilliant actor. So I had wanted to do it um, for that reason as well. Um, he died last week and he passed away in his sleep as he was um, out of the country filming another movie. The third reason I um, chose this movie first is because I always, you guys know I love um, true crime. I love listening to document. I love watching documentaries, listening to commentary from former mob associates. And one of those is Michael Franzis, who is um, a former captain in the Colombo family. And he does a lot of mob talk on his YouTube channel, really good platform. And he said, regarding this life, the most authentic mob movies ever written was The Goodfellas, Gotti from 1996, and Dottie Brasco. So I chose to do those three first by those are the most authentic. We already recapped The Bronx Tale. Um, we're going to do Donnie Brasco second, and then we'll do the Gotti HBO film in, um, from 1996 third, and then we'll do Casino, Bugsy, and go from there as we continue our mob marathon. The Goodfellas was um, based off of a book. I want to say it was called The Wise Guy. Let me look it up really fast. Really fast. Um, and this this pod might be a little lengthy, but um, this is a young man grows up in the mob and works very hard to advance himself through the ranks. He enjoys his life, money, and luxury, but oblivious to the horror that he causes. A drug addiction and a few mistakes ultimately unravel his climb to the top. Based on the book, Wise Guy. So this is based off of Henry Hill's life per his story. Um, it's also revolving around Tommy DeVito, who was portrayed by Joe Pesci and only a Joe Pesci could play that role. Brilliant actor. Um, Robert De Niro played Jimmy Conway and, uh, Karen Hill, who was Henry Hill's wife played, uh, played by Lorraine Bracco. This was a really, really good movie. Very, very, very well done. Uh, this whole Paulie and their whole organization was based off of the Lucchese family. They were a part of the Lucchese family. And we talked about the five families in the documentary, if you're not familiar with that. Paulie was a captain in the Lucchese family. Um, Paulie really was against drug selling in his crew. He was not with that. Um, Jimmy, he was a part of that crew as well as well as Tommy, Jimmy was known, you know, for robberies and, and whacking people off. Tommy was, they say Tommy DeVito was really Tommy DeVito. <laughs> like how Joe Pesci portrayed him in the film. They say, they say that was him, but 10 times worse in real life. And um, another fun fact about this movie, everything is based off a of true story. It's loosely based. Some things were, you know, fictionalized heavily. But the guy um, that we're going to talk about who was in the car at the beginning of the film in the trunk, he really was connected with the Gambino family and very close to Gotti. I believe his real name was Decimal. So we're about to get into it. Those were just a few fun facts, fun facts. 
this is one of the best like i said to ever do it so sit back you guys know movie reviews take a little longer <laughs> it opens up as far back as i remember i always wanted to be a gangster and it opens, and we see the original three, Robert De Niro, uh, portraying Jimmy Conway, uh, Henry Hill, portraying by uh, Ray Liotta, and Tommy DeVito, portrayed by Joe Pesci. So we see in the car, they riding, body in a trunk, and, you know, they got to pull over, and they see my man ain't dead in there. Now, the guy in the trunk, he was, remember, he was associated with the Gambino family, and he was a made man. The thing in here was uh, Jimmy and Henry, they were half Italian, half Irish. So, you know, you have to be a full-blood Italian before you can become a made man. So, they were not a boss, and they weren't a made man, but Tommy DeVito had the potential of becoming one because he was full-blooded Italian. So... It starts after he says he always wanted to be a gangster. It starts with the young Henry Hill idolizing the wise guys in the neighborhood. We see um, he starts off young, working for the cab stand, who was ran by the mob in the neighborhood. And, you know, loving being semi-part of that life. He's still a kid, just the one, you know, little runs for them. So he's not in that life, but he's already gaining momentum and respect just for you know, being a teenager and being associated with them. And, you know, at that time, he started making more money than his hardworking father. He was like 13, started skipping school for months at a time because he was making so much money. And when his father found out, whoo, that beating he got, shit hurt me because he whooped his ass. <laughs> um, That was one thing about back in the day. Parents, they would whoop. And they had the poor post office worker. So, scared from threatening him all of the wise guys threatening him like do not deliver no mail from the school to this house so he was so scared to even deliver the school mail he quit delivering all of the mail so where the mom had to go down to the post office and complain on him and this type of stuff really happened <laughs> in real life uh this was one of uh giovanni we talked about him in the uh documentary giovanni was the prosecutor who basically brought down the mob. He uh, took down two of the mob bosses and like eight, eight, eight of their crew members at first. And then he just kept going and going and going. So, you know, Giovanni really cleaned up New York around this. Um, well, this was the 60s, so not yet. But Giovanni, this was one of his problems with them as he was saying, you know, in the neighborhood, he was Italian. He grew up in the neighborhood and he had hardworking family members and they would be so scared to just run their business or work and do their jobs because of the threats they got. So this was something that, you know, he had to sustain for them for and we see, like, you know, the post office, he was just doing his job and got threatened so bad, hell, he quit, started skipping the house and wasn't delivering the mail out of fear. So we see um, Paulie. He was the captain. He ran that whole little community in their neighborhood out of the Lucchese family. And Paulie was strictly old school. He didn't allow any phones in his house. And, you know, he ran the neighborhood. Everybody went to him for protection. 
He was the police department for the wise guys. And we see Henry at 13, he had so much respect just for working for Polly, just because he worked for Polly and did runs for him and here and there and did this. He gained so much respect to where they even started, you know, the kids in the neighborhood started carrying his mom's groceries. When he walked in the store, he would get bread for free. It was the golden era of the mob, especially in the 60s. This was before the RICO um, Act was introduced. And this was before the feds got all of that information that they needed with the wiring tapes and, you know, got to any bosses at this time. So we meet Jimmy Conway early on in the movie, real deal mobster. And him and Henry were both, like I said, half Irish, so they cannot be made men. And we see he put Henry and Tommy together at a very young age. They started selling cigarettes on a corner. We see Henry, he gets pinched early on. But what does he do? He doesn't rat. He go in there and go to court like a man. And when he gets out, he comes out to money. Congratulations. He broke his first cherry. Jimmy tells him, like, look here, you did the right thing. You never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. So it skips time after that. And we get a young adult, 21 years old, Henry and Tommy. And they are running things now. They've moved on up. Um, they're young, wise guys. They're not made men. So they're just still a part of Paulie's crew. And, you know, work right under Jimmy. Uh, and, you know, they, they doing their thing. They doing their thing. And then even when they when they get on hard times, all they do is when they need money, they rob the airport. JFK Airport. This is 1963. Uh, Paulie was the head of the union at this time. So, you know, if things didn't go right, he would call a strike. And if that didn't work, they would rob. So this was at the JFK Airport. We see um one of the... <laughs> at the diners and in this movie I, uh, I've watched this movie a thousand times but by I went in to take a few notes because I've seen it so much and didn't want to forget certain things it just like really really stood out to me and it's a whole nother story <laughs> but we see one of the Italian men walk in in the diner he like can you believe this two niggers two niggers stole my fucking truck can you believe that I'm like uh, I could go there but I ain't gonna go there, but it was a lot of little, a lot of little nigger slide in this movie. <laughs> but um, anyway, 1963. Um, we get the uh, the crews, and we see how they living. We see how they living that lavish lifestyle. They're walking in the bars. They don't have to, you know. They they get welcome. They got their own seats. They flossing. They flossing. Like I said, it's the golden era of the mob. So we meet the crew, and I'm gonna play this clip. Um, one second. Um. And then there was Mo Black's brother, Fat Andy. And his guys, Frankie the Wop, Freddie No Nose, and then there was Pete the Killer, who was Sally Balls' brother. And you had Nicky Eyes, and Mikey Franchese, and Jimmy Two Times, who got that nickname because he said everything twice, like. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah,
All right, so we meet the crew, and you see that um, they called out Michael Franzese, the one I was telling you guys about. Now, Michael, Michael Franzese, uh, he was not a part of the Lucchese family. He was a part of the Colombo family. So we get an introduction to the crew. And we see throughout the beginning of the movie, um, a young Henry and Tommy and Jimmy, they are playing in different scores. You know, they got different licks that they hitting and robbing. And that's how they made their money. And then, you know, they chilling at the bar and we get one of the iconic scenes that only Joe Pesci can do, baby. Only Joe Pesci can do. I'm funny how I have to play that clip and then we'll continue with the show. Zero, nothing. I tell you, the fuck. He said, no, you're going to tell me something today, tough guy. I said, all right, I'll tell you something. Go fuck your mother. <laughs> Bing, pong, you saw the paper, Anthony, my head was up like this. But I didn't and now I'm coming around, you know, I start to come out of it. Who I see in front of me, a big brick again. He says, oh, what do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> That scene can only be played by Joe Pesci. I'm funny how, like, like, like the way I talk, the way I look, how am I funny? <laughs> so the poor guy um, who worked at the restaurant was so scared to ask Tommy for his tab. 
soon as you know he asked Tommy for his tab he get his wig pulled off you know head punched in and that's what people from that era (laughs) who were just civilians were so scared to be around uh this lifestyle you know people who just did honest jobs and couldn't do their jobs because of their lifestyle and if they did ask them for something and they felt like you know what i'm saying they were offended or you know what i'm saying you're breaking my balls they get their head batted in and you know who do they run to for help they go to Polly. you know Polly, i need your help you know this guy is crazy you know and you know anything you need you go to Polly. Polly takes over the restaurant and you know he still has to pay this, and he has to pay Polly, and he has to pay this. And when it all goes up to smoke and there's no more money to pay, you blow the damn torch down. So we see Polly took over the restaurant because the guy was, you know, in fear of Tommy. And then when he didn't have no money from, you know, basically getting extorted, <laughs> they burnt the joint down. As they are in the car watching the restaurant burn, Tommy is asking to um, for Henry to meet Karen because her best friend was Jewish. Well, they were Jewish girls and uh, she didn't want to go out with an Italian. So she wanted her friend to come, you know, for like a double date. And this whole scene of the whole talking about meeting Karen and her friend and with Henry and Karen's relationship. This was, this whole thing was portrayed in Ashanti's music video, Foolish, her very first video. That whole scene was based off of the Goodfellas. That's just another fun fact, if you guys didn't know. But we see Henry did not want to be on this date. They went on this date while they were ordering dinner. He was ordering dessert. He was looking like he just had somewhere to go. He didn't want to be there. However, they still had them plan another date. The second date, Miss Karen was stood up. She ended up crying. Tommy's sitting there like, I don't know what happened to him. I hope nothing's wrong. <laughs> so Karen runs down on Henry and turns she turns it up. She turns it up on them. And they say, you know, men like a peaceful, quiet woman. Shit. They love that crazy shit. <laughs> because as soon as Karen went off, he was head over heels with her. It turned him on. And it's funny how times have changed from the 60s when um he went to go pick her up for their first date. She had him you know, cover his cross up because he was Catholic and she was Jewish. Religion played a major role. Um, in the 60s, just, as, um, you know, of course, not as much as race did back then, but, you know, a very big deal, like religion, your religion, if you were Catholic, if you were Jewish, it mattered as far as starting a relationship, especially when it came to your parents, just like they looked at race as well. So, you know, it just shows you how much times have changed. Um, from there on out, they were inseparable. You know, we got the music in the background. Cause he walked right on by and he asked me if I wanted to dance. That's my shit right there <laughs> by the crystals. Um, cause he kissed me. So they play that song in the background. As we see, he's courting her. He's sweeping her off of her feet. And she's like, okay, you can live in this lavish lifestyle. Uh, Henry, what do you do? And he like construction. <laughs> so that we see that they're just head over heels with each other, inseparable, you know, in love. He's courting her this whole time. And we see um, her neighbor ends up getting out of line with her. And boy, oh boy, she calls Henry. And he goes over there and pistol whoops his ass, as he should. So um, 
He pistol whips the neighbor, hands the gun to her, and she, like, you know, most of her friends would have ran away, but, you know, it turned her on a bit, as it should. <laughs> so, shortly after that, then comes the lavish wedding with all of the envelopes of money and dozens of meeting Paulies and Marie's. Hey, this is Paulie, this is Paulie the second, this is Marie, everybody named Marie, everybody named Paulie. So, just a very lavish wedding. Um, while they were, you know, saying their <laughs> vows we see henry's father in the background he got a mean mug on his face and her parents do not look too pleased that she is marrying him either we get to the next scene and we see child maury's wigs and jimmy being jimmy so henry is is trying to talk to uh to, to maury which maury was a character in this movie and he's like look henry you know jimmy's trying to break my balls you know fuck him and Jimmy comes from the back. He grabs that telephone cord. <laughs> and he chokes Bory up. That damn wig fall off. And then all Jimmy can say is, I want my money today. Maury like, okay, okay, Jimmy, today. I want, okay, okay. No, today. I want my money today. <laughs> Every time I see that part, I die laughing. I have to rewind it because it was the way Robert De Niro said today. Oh, my God. That shit was hilarious. Like I said, everything about this movie is just brilliant. And that's one thing about the mob movies. Um, it might be like a lot of killing in there. But the mob movies, they're just so, especially back in the day, they're so authentic. They're not over-sexualized. But it's just really, really good writing. And the way they, you know, do it is so authentic. So by now we see Henry and Karen. They are married. And, you know, he is not coming home at night sometime you know he's out handling business with Tommy and <laughs> you know she's they're still living with her parents so her mom is like you know where is he at <laughs> she's like mom he's with his friends you know she's very naive at this moment and she's like what type of people are they they're, did you know they're not Jewish who doesn't come home at night and up pulls Tommy and Henry and the mom goes out. Where have you been? You're not normal. Normal people don't do this. <laughs> and he just calmly walks back to the car with Tommy's uh, antagonizing him a bit. That scene was hilarious. So we see Karen. She ends up, you know, meeting with the other wives. And she gets a, um, a reality check. She's still a little naive. She's very young. And she meets, you know, the other guy, the other wise guys, their wives. And she's hearing all of the stories and, you know, all the tales of everything that goes on with that life and how they have to go about it and the police checks and how they come in there and raid the house. They're, they're hearing it all, you know, and she's just getting a reality check like, wow, I'm really married into this life so she goes and tells henry and he is like oh karen you know why mickey went to jail to get away from his wife no one goes to jail unless they want to get caught you know who goes to jail nigger stick up kids like oh okay that, that's what go to jail we're we gonna talk about you going to jail in a minute <laughs> but anywho you know he basically gives her a load of bullshit sounding good making it sound all good and sweet and throughout the movie, we see um, Tommy strong-arming everybody. Tommy did not play. He was the muscle. He didn't care about whacking people. He didn't care about, you know what I'm saying, bullying people. Tommy was strong-arming people through, um, throughout this whole movie. 
Um, and the crazy part is how how often the police came for search warrants. I mean, Cameron just opened the door like, you know, you guys just be careful. You want coffee? And she goes to sit back down to watch TV. And, you know, normally they were just looking for hands out. But it was just crazy on how often the police swept into their house. Some of they had a search warrant and just got to looking around. So we see on how close everyone was in in uh in their family part, like was no outsiders, all of the wise guys and their wives and kids, they did all their holidays together, vacations, birthdays. It really was like that around the sixties and seventies. It was the golden era of the mob. If you were a part of a family, like the they were a part of the Lucchese family, they did everything together. It was no outsiders. It couldn't be to end up making it work the way it did, you know. So we make it to June 11th, 1970 in Queens, New York. And hold on, guys. Okay. Uh, yeah, Queens, New York. And we see Billy O'Billy, who was actually a part of the Gambino family. And this was the guy who was in the trunk at the beginning of the movie. And he was very close to John Gotti. So he's, you know, just got out the joint, went out for some drinks, he's in Queens, and, you know, he decides to break Tommy Balls, blasted him for being a shoe shiner back in the day as a kid. He was a shoe shiner as a kid, so, you know, he keeps going on about, go get your fucking shoe box, shine box. So Tommy goes ballistic, they calm the situation down, and, you know, Billy think it's, it's uh, he Billy Bats in here, that wasn't his name, but they think it's all good it's all good like he finishing up his night he having a drink he talking to jimmy but when the bar closes and everybody is out here comes tommy they beat him up stick him in the trunk and you know the movie catches up to the beginning we see who was in the trunk so while they're going to get a shovel moms walks in middle of the night she fixing dinner. They all sit there. They eat. They joke like nothing is going on. And it's not a man in a trunk half dead. <laughs> so the mom is so sweet. She's just a talking. And Tommy just acting normal like he don't have a body in the trunk. And he like, hey, ma, can I borrow this knife? I hit a deer. That's where all this blood came from. And she's like, okay, yeah, just, just bring it back, hon. <laughs> uh, she's just so sweet. She's sitting there showing him you know, paintings, telling him old stories. They even make a joke about the painting, like, that looked like him on the car. <laughs> the golden era of the the mob. Billy Bats, he was the guy in the trunk. He was, he really was, you know, murdered in the style. He was a made guy and he was killed without permission. So none of these three men were made. Tommy wasn't made. Jimmy and, and Henry Hill could not be made men because they weren't full blood Italian. So, you know, from this mistake that they made on June 11th, 1970, it came with big, 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 big consequences because they did not have permission to kill a made man. And you're a made man. You can do whatever the hell you want to in that life. So we'll talk about that shortly. So we see as the movie goes on, Saturday nights were for the wise. Friday nights, that's for the girlfriends at the Copa. So you hear a lot of racist shit throughout this whole movie. And that's a whole nother story for a whole nother story, <laughs> especially on like how, um, you know, 
the and I love the mob too. You know what I'm saying? I I really, really do love watching stuff like this and everything. We talked about a lot about this in the Bronx tale when I did a recap as well. But you hear a lot of racist shit. They at the bar, they chilling with their girlfriends. The girlfriend is talking about how, you know, she sees somebody could fall off of Sammy Davis Jr. as they should. That's Sammy Davis Jr., goddammit. And you know, we see Tommy ain't feeling that. She slipped up and talked too much. Tommy like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what the fuck you mean? You, you know, what are you saying? You, you a fan of that? You know, so he wasn't feeling that. And, you know, I respect the um, that lifestyle of being, a, wanting to be with your own. Because I'm a fan and I love black love. But at the same time, it was a lot of niggers and niggers and niggers and niggers and niggers in this motherfucker. You feel me? <laughs> I'm just saying. Ain't nothing wrong for one to marry your own. Hell, I, I love black love. I'm a black African-American proud woman. But at the same time, you know, it was a whole lot of niggers, 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 niggers in this motherfucker. <laughs> But I always did respect, like, you know, even on just, like, how you had to be fully-blooded Italian to be a made man. Like, you know, it's okay to want structure and be with your own. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not racist. But when you get the, uh, the other shit, come, come on come on now. Come on. But that was one thing that they did put in here. And I do like that they did put it in here because it was the realistic thing of it. That's how it was back in the day, you know. So they were keeping it true to form. And now we see after... They killed um, Billy Bats that the Gambino family had got to asking Polly a lot of questions. <coughs> Polly specifically asked Henry about Bats. He lies to Polly straight in his face. Out of all people, he lied to Polly. He like, did y'all, do you know anything? What happened? We see um, Henry... Uh, not only lies to Polly, but he starts to fall for his side piece. And at this time, it's a lot of blowback coming from the Gambino family. They um have to go dig the body up and bury it somewhere else. So we see um after Henry almost passes out from them having to dig up that body that's been there for six months and put it somewhere else because the Gambino family was asking a lot of questions. Um. Now Henry is staying with the side piece Janice all the time. He has her a new place. It's all set up all fancy. We see her friends got her got their eye on Henry as well. He even goes to threaten her boss because she's been doing whatever she wants to, enjoying her little, you know, mistress side. And they go threaten the boss. See that stuff I'm talking about. They go threaten civilians. <laughs> so you know, after they go threaten the boss and tell the, tell him, like, you know, Jenna's going to work here. You're not going to fire her. And she get to do whatever the hell she wants to. <laughs> we see Tommy being Tommy. We see that they're, um, like, at a little bar. They kind of kicking it. And Spider doesn't bring him a drink. So he gets to antagonizing Spider, breaking his balls. And he like, I'm sorry, Tommy. I thought you said you were good. I thought you didn't want anything. He like, you thought I didn't want anything? Well, dance. Dance the fucking drink over here. He gets to shooting the, the damn the damn gun. And, you know, Spider gets to jumping up and down. And he shoots poor Spider in the foot. They like, Tommy, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> he like, what? It was an accident. Fuck it. He's a prick anyway. So a few nights later pass. And poor Spider is back serving drinks. His poor foot is wrapped up. And Tommy is still messing with this man he decides to take up for himself as he should you know Tommy just bothering him talking about him and 
He's like, you know what? Go fuck yourself, Tommy. Jimmy's sitting there instigating. He's like, that's what I'm talking about, Spider. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for yourself. And then he instigated, like, Tommy, you just going to let him get away with that? Now, we know it don't take much to, to set Tommy off. So, you know, he pulls out the pistol, and there goes the itsy bitsy spider. And <laughs> they like, did you really just kill him? He's dead. He like, oh, he would have grew up to be a rat anyway. His whole family is rats. I, I did us a favor. Fuck it. Pour another drink, you know. <laughs> so, like I said, Tommy is just being Tommy. And they say the real Tommy DeVito was 10 times worse. So, by now, uh, we see Karen and Henry. They're out of that honeymoon bliss. And it's a few years in. They have a few kids. And he's spending all of his time with his side piece, Janice. So Karen takes her gangster ass over the bitch house. <laughs> she pressed every button on the intercom to her apartment <laughs> to let them know they have a neighbor into our name, Janice Rossi. And, you know, she's a whore. You guys have a whore living in the building. And she she hits every button. And she's like, he's my husband. Get your own damn man. <laughs> oh, my God. That that whole scene her whole character was iconic i loved every bit of it and when we talk about casino i love sharon stone's character as ginger as well both of those women they acted their asses off in these movies and i loved it karen's character as henry's wife she was no joke but she loved him with her heart and soul and ginger we're gonna talk about ginger because ginger was funny as hell too <laughs> so we get into, you know, after she done went over there and acted a fool, Henry goes home and we get to the gun scene, child. And she get on top of him while he's sleeping. She pointing a gun at him and she like, you know, do you love her? She crying and shit. <laughs> Henry like, baby, put the gun down. I love you. Only you. She crying. He put the, she put the gun down. But boy, when he get up, he get the pimp slapping her around the damn room. <laughs> and where does he go? He goes straight to the cleanup woman's house. And that would be Janice. And so Paulie and Jimmy come over. And they tell him, like, look, you got to go home. You, you, you got to go home. She'll never divorce you. She'll kill you. Before. No, you, you got to go home. She's, she's ironic. You go home. You tell her it's going to be like how it was when you got married. You know, you go home. It's bad for business, you know. And that was that old school shit, the golden era. It was principles. You might have messed around, but you do not leave your wife and family. It was principles about it back in the day. So it just shows you how times have changed. We get into a little further in the movie and we go to Tampa, Florida two days later. And Jimmy and Henry, they go to collect some money. Almost throw the man in a cage with lions. <laughs> but he ended up coughing up the money when they seen uh, he, they weren't joking around. But they see that they fucked with the wrong guy. His sister was a typist for the FBI. So she turned everybody in. She turned in, <laughs> she turned in Jimmy. She turned in Polly. She turned in Henry. Hell, she even turned in her brother. <laughs> she like, she on the news crying like, it's his friends. They're all terrible men. <laughs> but uh, they all get sentenced to 10 years in a federal, uh, federal penitentiary. Polly gets sentenced to one year. So, uh, uh, 
I was gonna say something, but you know, Henry went to jail. But you know, early in the movie, he said only nigger stick of kids went to jail. But okay, okay never mind, y'all. <laughs> but anyway, Henry and Paulie they go to the same prison, and um, Jimmy and he goes to one in Atlanta, so they're sentenced apart. Um, they also say John Gotti talked a lot of shit too when it came to the racist stuff, and he ended up having to get a wake up call when he got incarcerated as well. Sammy the Bull wasn't like that. He wasn't like that as well. And we'll talk about that because they say a lot of shit in that movie too, um, in the Gotti movie. So we'll talk about that then. <clears throat> but we see jail was sweet for them. They having four course meals. Jimmy, he was in a separate separate penitentiary, but Henry and Paulie, they were living their best lives in there. And we see Henry starts to selling drugs in the, in the joint as well, just to get by. Karen comes for a visit. And when she sees Jenna's name on a visiting list child, she goes loco. <laughs> She's like, well, have her bring it in here. She gets <laughs> she, she get to throw at everything. She's sneaking in there. She calms down after he promises he won't talk to Karen again. He, I mean, Janice again. He just gets to talking to her friend. So, you know, four years later pass and Henry gets released. And as soon as he gets to their apartment, because, you know, nobody has been helping her this whole time and they're kind of living like a one bedroom apartment. He like pack up. We, we moving. So, of course, they go to see Paulie for dinner. Everybody's together again. And Paulie gives Henry a stern warning. He understands, you know, like I understand you did what you had to do while you was in the joint. But now that you're out, stay away from the garbage. No selling drugs. Paulie really was against that he did not want any drugs in his crew it brought in too much heat and then if you were willing to do drugs you were, you were not going to be a reliable person you would they thought if you um of course i know the gambinos they did their thing in the drug thing but a lot of the mob the, the old school ones they were against the drugs because they felt like if you could do drugs you would be quicker to rap so, you know, he gave him a stern warning. He like, do not touch it. And if you hear about Tommy, Jimmy, whoever, you let me know. So Henry looks and lies to Paulie's face again. So the hearing listen, absolutely not. He gets a new connect in Pittsburgh. He um, gets with Janice's friend Sandy to do, the, uh, do all the mixing at her place. And, you know, we see he's getting in way too deep. Even Jimmy and Tommy, they joined in. Uh, Henry got him and Karen a brand new house and you know he back at the top and here comes the Latanza heist which was one of the biggest heists of that time ever put and this was at the JFK airport they got a small crew together it was really Maurice you know Maury with the wig it was his idea Jimmy organized it they got a small crew and it was one of the biggest heists ever and they pulled it off and we get the big Christmas party after that. And we got certain members of the crew. They come in, in there who participated in it. <laughs> they come in, in there with, you know, flossing. One got a, you know, a pink Cadillac. The other one got a, a mink coat on. And, you know, Jimmy is pissed. We got Maury in there. He going crazy. Jimmy, where's my money, Jimmy? I want my money. <laughs> I did my part. Where's my money? <laughs> so it's just a mess. And Jimmy is pissed. It was the biggest heist that they had ever pulled, six mil in cash. So um, with all of that, with it being that big of a heist and Jimmy being that spooked, you know, nervous from the, what they can get back and how they're spending money, of course, that come with consequences of people getting whacked. Um, the first one to go is Stax, Sammy, played by Samuel Jackson, coming to the door with them little old school drawer boxers on. <laughs> 
and he gets whacked first for not getting for getting high and not getting rid of the truck then before they can kill anybody else we get big news for tommy because he finally gets to become a made man where they're going to open up the books and he becomes official made man and that's good for their crew because now you know of course they're under paulie but Tommy is a part of their little formal crew and then with him being a main man that's gonna you know open more doors where they get to do whatever the hell they want to do even though they've been doing that anyway so <clears throat> they're excited about that we see poor Maury him and his wig all he want to know is just where is his money at he just <laughs> all he want to know is where his money at and talk his shit so <clears throat> he met his demise in a car when he didn't come home that night, his wife knew something was wrong. She like 27 years. He ain't never missed a night without calling. Henry goes looking for him. And Jimmy like, hey, we did what we had to do. He's gone. <laughs> and Jimmy just say, fuck it and get the whacking everybody who participated in the damn heist. You know, he killed dude and his wife with the pink Cadillac. He killed the mink coat guy, put him, you know, in the freezer cutting all links to the connection you know and it's just bodies all over the place so we get to tommy's big day he gets all dressed up and he walks into that room and instead of getting made he gets whacked and they always said that when they call for a meeting in the mob in the lifestyle when you walk into a room you don't know what you're gonna do you don't know if you're gonna be walking back out because that would be a way you walk into a room and get clipped right back in the back of the head and as soon as he walked in and seen nobody else was in there he knew that was coming. But um, they say that in real life, that was payback for um, the Jimmy Bats. And I believe his real name was uh, Desmond or Desimone or something like that. But they say that that was payback for that because that was an unauthorized hit. And also just that he was just doing way too much and way in too deep. So, you know, the bosses wanted him gone. So... We see um, Jimmy and Henry there at the diner. They're so excited. And when they get that call and they say it came from the Gambino order, Jimmy was so hurt. Jimmy was hurt. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy took that hard. So then we get to May 11th, 1986, 55 in the morning. Henry, Henry, Henry. He wakes up. He starts getting high as hell. And he has a big day ahead of him. <laughs> he has to drop off the guns to Jimmy. Jimmy doesn't want them. Then he has to go pick his brother up from the hospital. He's so high, the doctor has to check on him. He has to do a Pittsburgh drop. He has to cook up a four-course meal. He has to go over Sandy's, sweet talk her, then run out on her. And this whole time, it's the helicopter following him around the whole damn city. At the end of the, de at the, end of the day, when dinner is served, he's so high he can barely eat. The babysitter has to go get her lucky hat for the drop. <laughs> and, you know, when they get in the car, out come the feds. And what do you know? The narcs bring everybody in. They bring in the babysitter. They bring in Sandy. They bring in um, the guys from Pittsburgh who met them in the room. They bring in Karen. They, uh, they bring in every damn body. So when Henry gets out of jail, and finds out Karen threw out the drugs. Well, she actually flushed them down the toilet when they were about to search the house. When they broke down in each other's arms, 
that was a golden scene because it was just so realistic like oh my god karen what did you do he's so mad but he cried and she cried and hell everybody's scared and it was just such an iconic classic scene because it was so realistic like when you just against all odds all you can do is just break down like i loved that scene it was so realistic so now it's time to go face Polly after you have lied to him repeatedly and he sternly told you stay away from the drugs and Polly, what does he do he washes his hands with him he turns his back on him give him 3200 bucks and that's for a lifetime so after that karen goes to see jimmy for help and you know he gives her some money tells her he got some nice dresses for her and she knew when she was walking to the back of that warehouse she was good as dead she used her third eye and uh she like no i gotta go because she was about to get whacked she was about to get whacked so when she goes back home henry knew he was a dead man walking he goes to meet with um jimmy and jimmy asked him to go do a hit for him which was something he had never done before he had never sent henry off to do any hit so he knew if he would have went and did that trip he never would have came back so of course what do you do after that when you were against all odds, Polly and washed your hands. You know, remember at the beginning, it was funny when, you know, everybody went to Polly and he like, no, fuck you, pay me. No, fuck you, pay me. Now it's fuck you, Henry. I washed my hands. And now he know Jimmy wants to off him. So what comes after that? The feds become your best friend. And you go in there and you get to testify. So after that, you know, Karen is reluctant. She's like, what about my parents? Well, take Henry. I don't want to go. <laughs> but they go into witness protection and everybody gets brought in. Henry becomes an informant and gives one of the best testimonies of his life. Testifying like he in church, child. And the look on Paulie's face when he's in court. They're like, do you know Paul? Says, yep. Do you know? J- yep. <laughs> you know. And you know it cuts off and it goes to you know now he's living somewhere in connecticut you know he can't even get real sauce he has to get it from the grocery store and be just like a normal civilian you know um very is a true story it was uh, loosely based off of his life a lot of it was dramatized around henry's life uh michael franzi's kind of he was around in that lifestyle when he kind of goes into detail about how um Ray Liotta did a magnificent job. He actually, you know, he said Henry wasn't actually that big as a wise guy, but I don't know. I'm a civilian. <laughs> but um Henry did get out of prison. He passed away a few years back. But um he uh Henry Hill, he uh was still in witness protection in 1987 he was arrested in seattle washington for a narcotics conspiracy and he received five years probation um since then they say he was clean i know he had like a a lot of hard times after that he passed away a few years back um in 1989 henry and karen hill they separated after 25 years of marriage uh, Paul Cicero, he died in 1988 in Fort Worth Federal Prison of respiratory illness. He was 73. And Jimmy Conway, he was serving a 20-year sentence for murder in New York State Prison. And he was eligible for parole in 2004. Um, let's see. 
I don't know if he's still living. Um, let me see. Let me go take a look. Um, I'll look really fast. Because I don't think he's still living, but he could be. Um. No, he passed away in 1996. Mm -hmm. He died while he was still incarcerated. He was 64 in Buffalo, New York. And he was known as the Jimmy the Gents and the Big Irishman. So that was my recap for The Goodfellas, one of the most iconic mafia movies. Very, 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 very well done. We're going to do Donnie Brasco next. Then we're going to do Gotti from 1996, then Casino, and then Bugsy, and we will go from there. I am already loving this Mafia Marathon. Make sure you guys check out my Fear City documentary that I recapped on as well. So, you know, I mean, we just did a we just did a recap. So, you know, we got to play a sleeper in my, you know, Joe Button style. Shout out to the pod father. And let's go to the... Goodfellas soundtrack, and we'll play something off of there. Um. All right, this is off of the Goodfellas soundtrack. I'll play two songs off of there. Boulevard of Broken Dreams and I can't end this without playing this iconic song but number one I love it and then it was featured in the movie so we gotta play the crystals baby Oh, 
he kissed me by the crystals. I'm telling y'all there's something about the 60s. I hope you guys enjoyed this recap and tune back in later this week for our Donnie Brasco recap as we continue on with the mob marathon. If you have any requests for any mob movie you might want me to do or any documentary you want me to recap, hit your girl up and I will make sure I get that out as well. We're going to be doing this until August 14th until the Power Universe returns with Raisin Kanan. It's your girl Shanice and I'm out. Help you enjoy the show. With your girl Shanice.